May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. On this week's episode, we will take an intermission from the discussion of Margaret Mitchell's life. She is the author of Gone with the Wind, and I have yet to see the movie as I'm almost finished with the book at the time of this recording, but apparently it was four hours long and they had an intermission in between. So consider this in the intermission. We are going to have a really interesting and insightful conversation with the executive producer of the new documentary called The Disruptors. Before we get into the podcast, I as always want to just share that my name is Dr. Michael Lenz. I have been a physician now for 26 years. I am a pediatrician and an internist and a diplomat of the clinical lipidology as well as lifestyle medicine. My goal is to weave the best of both lifestyle medicine and medical management to help those with fibromyalgia go beyond just learning to live to even reducing and in some cases reversing fibromyalgia to the level of those who are unaffected by fibromyalgia. And remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. So make sure you discuss all medical problems with your physician and hopefully this can be used as a starting point on your journey for greater understanding of this very frustrating problem called fibromyalgia and related issues. As we segue into this week's special interview, I want to share the trailer for the new documentary called The Disruptors. We knew fairly soon after he was born that there was something totally challenging about him. ADHD diagnoses in the United States for school kids has increased by 43% in less than 10 years. This is the first time a teacher ever mentioned ADHD. I was super offended. A big part of me thought it was a bogus diagnosis. I'm yelling at him and I'm like, Reese, what is wrong with you? And he'll come back with something like, everything, Dad. And then I immediately feel awful. Teachers were like, you need to focus better. Because of my hyperactivity, I didn't understand. Why doesn't this picture become clear to me? Is she not trying hard enough? Is she not applying herself? Imagine somebody sitting on the keys of the computer. That's ADHD. As a parent, the thing that bothers me the most are the friend issues. I was just a swirky, out-of-control kid with very few friends. He wanted the medicine, and he was the one that said, I think if I have it, my friends and my teachers will like me better. They wanted Bear to be expelled from school, which means he missed graduating. I got suspended from school. I got a call from a police officer says the juvenile detention center says he'll be here all weekend just unbelievable the flip side of distractibility is curiosity 
What's that? What's that? What's that? If you didn't care, you wouldn't get distracted. I'm a risk taker. I'm creative. Processing all of these screens in front of me, the more intense it gets, the better I am. Sarah's a brilliant writer. He has a lot of skills, like to ask questions, to be argumentative, to push boundaries. Around ADHD, there's tremendous ignorance. Most people are not aware of the positives that go with it. It just grinds you down into thinking you're stupid. Can't sit still, disorganized, can't focus, lazy, lazy, stupid. You can't make it. You never listen, you don't turn your own. It's a super skill set. And what people think. We have a special guest today. Her name is Nancy Armstrong. She's the executive producer of the recently released film documentary, The Disruptors. We're so happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thanks thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. For those of you who have not gotten a chance to read about the, the documentary, can you just give an overview of what the documentary is about. Yes, well, this is the first definitive and comprehensive documentary on ADHD. This is really the documentary I desperately needed as a mother of three children with this diagnosis because it can be incredibly challenging and overwhelming parenting a child with ADHD. And this is made more difficult by the fact that as a society, we're still grappling with what we think ADHD is. There's a sort of a deep disconnection between what the public perception of ADHD is and what we actually know about it from decades of research and hundreds, if not thousands of studies. We know it's neurological. We know what parts of the brain it affects. We know it's highly heritable. And now what leading experts all across the country and the world are saying is that we also know that while there are challenges that come with ADHD that need to be managed there are also some pretty impressive strengths. And if you can find a path in life to activate and accelerate those strengths, ADHD can be a big asset. So what I wanted to do for the film basically is assemble those top experts so you could have them all you know, in one place, unpacking all of this for us once and for all to really kind of reframe what we understand about ADHD and then follow five families in their journey of managing childhood and parenting with ADHD, and then to hear from what I call the small army of very successful, high-profile personalities to talk to camera about their own experience of having ADHD as a child. And usually that was, you know, kind of a story of struggle, but then also how they learn to leverage the strength of their brain to find a path in life where they could be extraordinarily successful. And they attribute that success to the different way that their brain is wired. I got a chance to watch that just about a week and a half ago and was very impressed. The more resources we can get out there. I, I, I don't think it was just released this month in May as the Mental Health Awareness Month. And I don't know if that was planned that way, but I think it's so good to reduce the stigma. As we maybe mentioned on the phone briefly, that a lot of people who have fibromyalgia also have ADHD and they often co-mingle. Fibromyalgia is a brain or neurologic disorder, very similar and overlapping with ADHD. And probably the two most stigmatized problems that I take care of are fibromyalgia and ADHD. And I think that delicate balance between 
recognizing the strengths and also the struggles and also trying to reduce that stigma? Yeah, I think it's the one uh, condition that people really don't understand the children. They, you know, they sort of blame the children. They blame the parenting because otherwise the kids seem relatively normal. There's nothing on the surface that you can see, whereas, you know, if you, other, other conditions are more visible. With ADHD, it's more subtle. It's less visible. Of course, with boys, you know, you can, the, the hyperactivity is more of a visible sign, but particularly with girls, you can't really see ADHD in them. They're distracted in their brain, particularly inattentive types. So they're daydreaming, they're fidgeting, they're highly sensitive. So the world in end experiences pierce them in a different way. They just have a different experience of life. They're exquisitely sensitive to rejection. And as a result of all that, they can become very filled with anxiety and sometimes depressed. So we misdiagnose them. We totally miss that the diagnosis of ADHD and then start diagnosing them with anxiety and depression, which are not the correct diagnosis. So I think there still remains a stigma around ADHD, but I'm hoping that the more we talk about it, and certainly when you have really successful people come forward and talk about it, and that it, that had happened to some extent prior to the documentary, you'd read about it. There'd be a list on a, on a website. These are the people that have ADHD, and I always tried to put that list forward to my son's teachers at school, and they would kind of go, "Oh, you know," they they would kind of brush me off. So I wanted those people in the documentary talking directly about their experience, so that we could sort of prove this point once and for all that there is a side of ADHD that is a strengths-based side. And if you can tap into that, if you can manage you know, some of the challenges and really find the thing that you're interested in, because when ADHD people are interested in something, they're incomparable in terms of their abilities to succeed. You know, with the documentary, do a great job of blending, sharing stories, and yet also blending, sharing information. So you're not just getting a lecture about what this is about, but you're get, blending that in with experiences and no two people have the exact same experience from where they are in the world, what their social economic circumstances are and their intellectual ability and all their special talents. What story drew you to get into putting a film like this together? What was your, any personal reasons that you wanted to, help so many so many i mean you know my my first clue should have been when my son and i were kicked out of mommy and me class when he was a toddler that was a really unpleasant introduction to being a first time mom and neither one of us knew what was going on we both just cried all the way home and it took years to finally get a diagnosis but there were so many clues along the way and what i find so interesting and hard to believe is that we saw a number of experts along the way from, so from, let's just say age three to age eight, and never once was ADHD mentioned, which I is just unbelievable because he has all the hallmark signs of ADHD. So we we finally got a diagnosis at age eight and which was great because it explained a lot of things. It also turned out my husband had ADHD, which we figured out, you know, in that day in the diagnostic room, because he had all those same symptoms. So I guess as, as, concerned as I was, I kind of looked at my husband and thought, well, you know, he's okay. So there's a, there's a path forward. I sort of had that optimism about it, but then I became familiar with Ned Hallowell's work in the strengths-based approach. And then the light bulb really went off that the world doesn't really understand this. 
And I couldn't understand why no one had done a documentary film that was comprehensive in this way, because there are documentary films about everything, every single other thing you could think of. So this is really long overdue. And I wanted to give parents an opportunity to see themselves in this documentary and to find that community. I want kids, wanted kids to be able to see themselves say, oh, that's just like me. That's my story. And I, I find that as as sort of individual as all these stories are, there's so many parallels. You know, there's parallels between the kids in the story and David Nealman, founder of JetBlue, who spoke in the dot. There's parallels between Will I Am and Howie Mandel and Paris Hilton. You know, they all have sort of the similar story of childhood struggle and not being understood and not being able to meet the expectations of K through 12 education. But then as soon as they get out into the real world where curiosity, creativity, that relentless pursuit when they find something they're interested in, all those things are so valued in the working world. So you can find your path. You know, it's thank goodness K through 12 is a finite period of time. And then you have the next, I was, that's what I always told my son is this is just a finite number of years. And when you take all of your skills out into the world, you know, that's, that's where you're going to launch. And that's the next 65 years. So you'd rather have it be difficult in, in this part of your life than the whole rest of your life. So he didn't really believe me at the time. I think he was 12 when I told him that, but he believes me now. There's so many parallels with the diagnosis and delay in diagnosis often that occurs with fibromyalgia. You had said between age three and eight, he had been to people that were experts. I'm just curious what type of experts. I'm sure there was a pre-K teacher and a 4K and a kindergarten. Right. So there were teachers along the way, but what other, I'm just curious, what were the types of categories of professionals that he had seen? Well, when he was about four, he had, you know, a sensory issue where he was having these sensory issues and we didn't know what that was. We had no idea why, you know, before we identified them, we were, why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? So we went to and he was very, very, you know, high on the hyperactivity scale. And so we went to a renowned children's medical hospital. And the doctor there told me that he thought it was clear that my son was at war with me. That was his. And then he ordered some unnecessary blood tests and sent us on our way. Then we went to another doctor and he said, oh, it's sensory integration disorder. And we said, oh, okay, sensory integration disorder. Great. So we did all this occupational therapy. And by the way, the, the waiting room where I, where I live in the town that I live in was packed with mothers waiting for their kids who were doing this sensory training. And then by the time he was eight, you know, things were really going very poorly at school and he was having, you know, we were really struggling at home and at school. And so he was seeing a psychologist and it was the psychologist that said, I want you to have him tested and I said, oh, well, for what? He has sensory integration disorder. And he said, no, I just want, I, I want you to go have him tested. So we went and had him tested. And sure enough, he, he was, you know, classic ADHD. And I just thought it was amazing that it took so long for someone to, to bring that diagnosis up, to even mention it as a possibility. I think things that that was, you know, that was probably 12 years ago or, you know, 12 to 15 years ago. And I think in the last 10 years, things have progressed a little bit. So, but still, I think people still have this sense that they're alone. They don't know what to believe about ADHD because there's so much contradictory information on the internet. So I wanted this film to really cut through, just, you know, cut through the middle of all of that and give you 
what you, what do you need to know to start out so you can kind of define it for yourself and find a path forward that's positive for you and your family? Yeah, I think you did a very good job, you know, looking at the kids when they were younger struggling and the frustration, you know, I try not to cry, but you almost got me to cry during one of the scenes just with when the parents who react what would probably be very understandable prob- and without a frustration. And I think in the trailer, uh, one of the scenes captures that. And I, I say this to him and then he says, I, I don't know why. And then I feel bad. The dad says, he says, what's wrong with you? And the boy who's in the film, Reese, who's the sweetest kid on planet earth says, Oh, everything, dad. And then the dad feels awful. By the way, the other thing about the parents in this film, they're the most amazing parents. You know, they're, they're, tr- they're killing themselves trying to navigate a path for their children. And I think, you know, that's what so many parents, that's the course for so many parents with a child with ADHD is it's really sort of intensive parenting or parenting on steroids, as I've said, but they were all so devoted to their children and, you know, it was even still, it was still such a struggle. And, you know, this for a certain period of time, we had a, a, several middle schoolers in the film. And middle school is just when everything, you know, the fit hits the sham and everyone has to stay after school. It's really an extraordinarily difficult time for kids. So we had several middle schoolers in the film. And so you really get to see that, that difficulty. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. The they call the the the, the blessings and the the gifts that you have with the creativity and impulsivity and, and the yin and the yang of all of that, those can be challenging and to recognize those talents, to bring those out uh, that can be very good yet also at the same time can be struggling depending, depending on what area they're in, whether what part of school, what kind of learning, and it can be that challenge. I just am in the middle of a podcast series on the author of gone with the wind, Margaret Mitchell, who had, when you look back at her biography, had ADHD and had fibro. And of course, she was extremely talented. I have uh, about 150 pages at the time of this recording left of her book. And I'm just amazed at how talented with using words. She was highly intelligent, how she could create a beautiful scene back then when you couldn't do a documentary in the, like we have now and, and create that scene. And she was so talented and she compared herself to both a Jack Dempsey, the great boxer of the time and this fragile little thing. So she had these, I'm really good yet. I'm really bad. And that's that back and forth that often goes. And then when the emotions get sensitive, you talk about that highly sensitive um, brain, that rejection sensitive dysphoria brain that often overlaps with worsening pain and the heart goes out. I, as I say in the podcast, I say, I wish I could have sat down a hundred years ago at age 22 when she's dropped out of college and she's struggling and have, and she's having IBS and starting to get fibromyalgia symptoms along with that is to sit down and have a chance to talk about this. But back then they just would said, Oh, it's just all in your head. You, you're making this up really heart goes out. So when 
to people who are struggling with this? Well, that was one of my, just bringing, going back through the history, that was one of my favorite things in the film was I really wanted to show that this trait has been around for probably since the beginning of man, but they've been looking at it since the 1700s and just calling it something else. There's a whole history of, you know, them beginning to identify these different behaviors or brain types. And we, you know, kind of take a, you know, show a few examples through history, like Walt Disney and Albert Einstein and Ben Franklin, all of whom could not get through school at all. I mean, these are brilliant people with huge ideas coming in their in their brain at a rapid pace, but they all struggled with, you know, sort of a assembly line type education because their brains don't work that way. And then to show the kinds of fields that people who have ADHD can really excel in, given the, the, the skill, super skills of ADHD, which are really creativity, curiosity, um, energy, uh, lack of risk aversion. They're entrepreneurs, they're creators, they're drawn to jobs that have a lot of stimulation, like ER doctor or a surgeon or a firefighter. They, they, you know, sitting at a desk for a person with ADHD would be just death. You know, it's, it's mind numbing. They can't, they can't do that job. Um, that's my, it's my husband actually was, he started out in investment banking. And I think he, he said the story is he lasted for about six weeks and then he just quit. It was a great job. And his parents were so happy that he got it, but he said, I'll, I can't do that job. I won't be good at that job. I'm not doing it. So he started a newspaper in Boston and then he discovered, um, he met Paul Allen, I think, and, you know, discovered the beginning of the internet and that that was it. He just, you know, took off and he's been, had, you know, some really great experiences and been a serial entrepreneur and taken some big, huge risks in his career, but that's what fuels him. Like that's what keeps him engaged. That's it's, it's the pursuit. It's not the managing of something. As soon as something is built, he starts to get bored and wants to build the next thing. So that's very in line with someone who has an ADHD brain is they, you know, they want their very cre highly creative and it's, it's almost if they're not using that part of their brain, you know, they can get depressed or sad. It's like that part of their brain needs to needs fuel. Yeah. It was going through Margaret Mitchell and she made a comment. She said how she always just had to keep herself busy and whether that was just to make herself feel significant or not, she was big into psychologizing as she liked to say, trying to figure out how her brain worked back then. But when she describes how thing, how her thoughts are, a lot of that resonates. And that's where I try to share, I think, her story and try to put the, the, the blessings and also the struggles that go along and to let people know they're not alone. When you're going through a struggle, you may feel like you're the only parent who has had a child who's struggled and don't know what to do, just like you share. I just had a patient today who has had struggles. She was very, very active and she has kind of a creative job, but life often gets a lot more complicated and we don't always have the opportunity to delegate our homework and our chores to somebody else. We have to do both. And as time went on her, she did have both fibromyalgia and ADHD and RLS. We treated now that she came back and she, part of her job, she would said, I don't know if I should tell somebody now that, you know, she's close with a lot of her clients that she has ADHD. And she finally revealed it uh, the third week into treatment. And, and they're like, oh, we knew that. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, what? I, and then her husband's like, well, we knew that. And, and, there, and so there's some awareness, but 
well, why didn't you say something? You know, why didn't you bring that up? I didn't know that. And yet she was struggling. And the connection between this, when you talked about wanting to do this documentary because there wasn't a great documentary out there, there was one, a, a very bad one. I, and as we talked on the phone last week about take your meds was a very negative presentation mm-hmm. about just how meds are maybe terrible, not good. And it's like you say, it's about addiction, but the reason I decided to write the book on fibromyalgia is like, I didn't think there was a great, good medical uh, evidence-based discussion. And like you, I wanted to weave also stories of people as somebody who doesn't have fibro or ADHD. I wanted to give that empathy um, Mm -hmm. that you're not alone. And I've had people who've read it say they almost have cried because that describes their life, but nobody gave a meaning and understanding of what that was, but that angst and that struggle that goes on is very similar. I mean, I, 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 I think that this film was made for, I mean, I made the film, um, I worked with Atlas films, by the way, they've done a bunch of brilliant documentaries. Stephanie Suktig and Kristen Lazor are, you know, incredible filmmakers. So we had a fantastic collaboration and we geared the film toward parents and kids, not toward, you know, the critics or anything like that. So we were really laser focused on what, what do parents need and what do families need? But I think this film could really be useful for everyone in society because everywhere you go in life, you're going to meet people with ADHD, whether it's, you know, at the classroom or the work setting or, or wherever. So it would be good for us as, as a society to understand these individuals better and, and really what they contribute to society. Because as far as I can see, it's a lot. I mean, we, the thing that concerned me most and the reason one of the other reasons I wanted to make the film is because kids with ADHD receive such negative feedback and it is so damaging to their emotional development. And if these are truly the people who are our creators and our innovators and, and our Olympic athletes and our ER doctors and our surgeons, then we need to not damage them as they're going through the K through 12 school system. We need to have sort of a different lens on, on kids that are neurodiverse as opposed to expecting everyone to be neurotypical. I don't know why we, why we have that expectation. I mean, I just think it should be something that we get more education about as a society. So I think as much as this film will really help kids and families, I think it would be beneficial to everyone to watch it. Yeah. That's one of the questions I was going to ask who, who uh, should watch the film and, I think that it would be great if you have a family member or yourself maybe has ADHD and if you have a loved one. And also if you're in the medical provider world, I think uh, I have a son going off to medical school this summer. And I think seeing the experience, seeing how it plays out in different, you get to know what it's like. And as you start, as you've read and researched before the film was ever put together on your own and talk to experts. And I'm sure there's hours of film that is left on the editing table to condense it down to just a little over an hour and a half. Yeah. But to say that you're not alone, you're not the only one going through this, but there's a lot of common themes. And after a while, it's like, well, how could you not recognize this and these patterns that come up, but my heart aches when somebody is struggling and has had that delay in diagnosis. And I think a lot of, 
I think your film reminded me of even the science of how, how the brain is connected and probably earlier identification and treatment probably in my experience can help prevent potentially some of this unnecessary anxiety and, and these issues. I have a adult patient of mine who recently got treated and she said, talking about working with a therapist as well, working through this. And I said, well, you've had been in these difficult situations in the past and you have struggled. Now, when you're in the same situation, you're, you, your first go-to is have anxiety that you're going to struggle. And now it's to understand, okay, wait, I can get through this. I can get, I'm, I'm not going to fail right away and I'm not going to quit. One of the questions I often ask my adult patients who have ADHD when they get diagnosed later in life, but went and made it through college or school or other things, I'll say, why didn't you give up? Because there are so many reasons not to, to and I, unfortunately some people do, but part of it is that drive. And I just say that and I acknowledge that many of them wanted to probably give up, but they didn't and they pushed through. And just to give them a pat on the back, like, hey, that was great. That was really hard. And yet some struggled and now let's get you back. Maybe you can recover some of the things if you didn't get all of those um, successes. I think uh, in the um, Driven to Distraction book in an earlier interview with Dr. Dodson, mm -hmm. he said one of the biggest things was, questions was, or struggles that people had with ADHD adults who had ADHD was, have you ever felt you've never fully lived up to, you lived up to your full potential? Mm -hmm. And that's that creativity, but how do I co connect that? For every successful people like your husband, how many frustrated spouses out there of, oh my gosh, another idea. You got all these ideas and you never finish them or you get them half started. And sometimes that can lead to marital friction or relationship friction. But if I, I had years ago, a patient who, um, I, I, because I'm a pediatrician and an internist, I see kids and adults and I often am diagnosing above and below the person. So if it's a 25 or, you know, I'm seeing the children, the parent, and sometimes the grandparents and we'll get a chance to talk about it for, for both generations and recognize mm -hmm. that this is multiple layers, as you know, going in the family and that some of these struggles are explained at least now. One of my patients, I was getting lost my thought for a second, who was like 20, he had dropped out of college, went back to junior college, is still struggling, wanted to get back on his meds. So I talked to his mom over lunch and I just mentioned, hey, one of you probably has it. The parents were divorced when he was in middle school. And he had stopped taking his meds in high school. And she said, it's, it's the first time as if, as if she's never even contemplated that. And she's like, oh, my goodness, that's my husband. <laughs> and that's my husband's dad. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known that when we were married, she said. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure, the, 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 as you've probably lived through this, it's, it's not... Oh, it's just incredible. He's just making me laugh all the time. He's always coming to uh, all these ideas. It's just yeah. awesome. There's also that frustrations. And then yeah. having that acknowledgement, oh, just like with a child or adult to have that awareness. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of funny. It has helped me look at everything. And it, well, I think I also struggled with it growing up. I think I'm in that percentage of people that it, you know, there's like 25% of people that have ADHD diagnosis or struggle with ADHD during childhood. It resolves, you know, when they reach full maturity. And I think I fall into that category. I think I still have some of the super skills, but I don't have any real impairment. So mine was more of a, probably a mild case of distractibility and because it's on a spectrum, you know, it's like mild, moderate, 
severe and very severe. So I may have fallen into more of a mild category. My mother had a very severe case of ADHD. Of course, she didn't know that while she was alive, but it now all makes perfect sense. But I think, you know, understanding it the way I do, you can, I'd rather, you know, like David Nealman says, if I could take a pill and get rid of my ADHD, I would never do it. And I think the, the positives, if you can sort of accelerate those and activate those in your life are so big that if you just manage some of the other things, it's okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that's kind of glass half full. So I'll look at the things that are good and find those things more important than the things that are challenging. So I think that's, you know, kind of what it is to be a person with ADHD. There are some challenges, but those are managed, you know, those are, you know, more, you can manage those. And, you know, a person with ADHD has to have someone around them. That's good at execution because they're all about, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go here. You know, they're very inventive and creative. And so I have tons of ideas. So they need to have someone in their life, in their work life. And I think also it helps in in your personal life to have someone who is good at execution and organization, because that's like the perfect balance. Exactly. So with this being mental health awareness month, at least at the time of recording, it's so good to share stories. I, I mentioned on a prior podcast that just sharing stories helps people know that they're not alone. And that other people are, have some of these same kind of things. And there are some of those positive traits, like you said, the ratio of negative comments to positive comments, just have that understanding. I think there's teachers and physicians out there who can help build that better awareness. Any other thoughts that you have? Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that I think is a concern is that there is a dearth of clinical experts on ADHD and that's concerning when it's 10% of the population. So I think one of the things that needs to happen is we need more training for primary care physicians and pediatricians. So they can really be sort of an accredited first line of defense. And I think that's gotten a little better in the last 10 years where they start to do screenings when you go and get your annual checkup. But I think they need to be asking more questions and really interviewing parents and kids to see if there are any issues in the area of executive functioning or, you know, focus and, you know, some of those sort of superficial symptoms of ADHD that, that could point to a diagnosis. And, and if they think that there, there might be one, they can give parents a referral, but I just think we should be catching, you know, more kids. And I think because there aren't enough expert clinicians in ADHD that we really need regular doctors, you know, the sort of the, the first line of defense to be able to do more, to have more training. Cause I don't, I don't think they have the requisite training to, to be as helpful as they could be. Yeah. All my training was in taking care of kids, you know, finishing me- medical residency in the year 2000. I know I, I often say I take, I took care of a lot of adults with ADHD that I never managed, didn't even make the diagnosis, wasn't part of that. I had uh, doctors in training on the adult side and no, nobody ever said, you know, that patient who's really anxious, who's been on their fifth SSRI, have you asked them how they did in school and their academic history and, and some of those questions. And now I'm trying, I, I have to do some part-time teaching with a medical residency and getting a chance to share that information and I think this would be a great tool that somebody could use in a teaching format as part of a curriculum with a documentary to somebody who is really has no 
experience. They may not have a family yeah. member. And, I, and if it's in 90% of the people, it's not, they may think it's a negative stigma. Like they're just not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. If they just applied, if they were just better parents, mm-hmm. this would be something that yes. would be able to manage better. So I think that the pediatricians are doing a good job. I think it depends on often with something like this, it's having a, a, a academic person at the residency program who thinks it's important and mm-hmm. implements it. Mm-hmm. It still is for many people considered just an optional diagnosis and an optional problem, whether we look at it or not. And I think that fibromyalgia is overlapping a lot with that for the many listeners mm-hmm. here. I've gotten a chance through different Facebook groups to connect with a number of people who have coexisting comorbid ADHD and fibro, and they had no idea that there was any connection mm-hmm. because when you get overwhelmed and you're overstressed and there's more to do in less time and your pain starts to act up, oh, that makes sense. And I can't delegate everything. That's a connection with that stress and the pain and having under an understanding how all these are connected. And you do a great job of just bringing that personal experience to this and also bridging that there are positive things that I know a lot of people that every, pretty every, every type of walk of life from uh, entertainment celebrities to uh, athletes, to entrepreneurs that have had success and hearing their positive stories is also a many, many people with ADHD may not even aware, be aware of that. They may just be aware of all the negatives. Well, I hope this film liberates parents and children to know that they're not alone and that it will get easier as your children grow and learn to understand how their brain works and how to leverage the strength of their brain. And what kids really need, this is kind of the message of the film, is they just need parents that stand behind them and that are on their team and never give up on them because, you know, it will be a sort of bumpy journey to adulthood, but they'll get there and they'll figure themselves out. And manage properly ADHD can be a big asset and and not a liability. And that's that's a profound message of hope for millions of people with ADHD. So I hope that that message is received. Well, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. I will have a link for, for the film for all of you who haven't gotten a chance to check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I can't help but ask that maybe someday we can do a positive evidence-based documentary on fibromyalgia sharing stories like this and hope maybe that's one day we'll have to maybe connect or get me connected with that i I have enough already on my plate just trying to put a podcast and be a parent i think this is great I, i love referring patients to good resources and get a chance to add that to the list of understanding what adhd is about because the more you know and i guess the one last thought that you had is a lot of times as a parent, as you've had to learn since your son was eight, is, wow, I have to be almost an advocate. I have to be often better trained than my pediatrician or family practice doctor. I have to be putting that as an agenda that's really important because a parent ends up having to take a, often a big role with this, depending on the experience of the clinician and or the teacher that's involved with them may not have the same awareness and insight into these struggles. So this will hopefully be one of that empowerment to understand their themselves and also their children and also their spouses. 
So, well, take care and uh, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed getting a chance to have this conversation and I hope you enjoyed listening, whether you are going for a walk, traveling to work, going on vacation or doing some housework, whatever it is. I really appreciate you taking your time. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the like and share button. One way to help share the good information that I'm trying to pass along here is by the listeners supporting the podcast. And the best way you can show support for the podcast is to share this with others. And until I get a chance to see you next week where we will rejoin the conversation going through Margaret Mitchell's life, go Team Fibro.